0: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingus, number one in its field. And we begin part two with former trainer Rod Craig, who had the good fortune and the great privilege to train an eight-time Group 1 winner called Intergaze, whose record at the end of his career stood at 12 wins, 14 placings and more than $4 million in prize money. Roddy's first Group 1 was the Champagne Stakes, in which Craig Carmody was unable to ride him.
1: That's right, John. Uh, Craig had had a bad fall and broken his leg. He was laid up at the time. And Glenn Boss, when he seen the horse nominated for the for the Champagne Stakes, accepted He rang and said, have you got a ride for that horse? I said, no, you can ride him. So that's where that started, or where it came from.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Craig was back yeah. on when the horse uh, was in his... Autumn, three-year-old career, and uh, together they won the Canterbury Guineas. And for some reason, Rod, I've got a feeling it was run at Rose Hill that year.
1: It was, John. It was eighteen hundred metres at Rose Hill,
0: mm. and that's where I think <coughs> the the crowds first saw that amazing acceleration that he had. Gosh, he went quick at the top of the straight in the Canterbury Guineas.
1: He did, Johnny. He. Um it was a great win. I mean, I didn't know if he could win or not, you know, but it was the case because it was a good field, and and uh, yeah, he won very well, very convincing.
0: Second in the Rosehill Guinness?
1: bit unlucky. Kevin Moses had a fall in the race and disrupted the field, and Craig took off about the half mile, and went around him, mm. and he was probably five in front of the furlong. And um, Darren picked up the ride on a, a horse from Adelaide um, uh, that. He got come from second last, but got a perfect rails run and got him to beat us a short half edge.
0: Uh, trying to yeah. think of his name was a Tarn Perlane? Tarn Perlane, that was it. That's the horse. And then came the derby, Rod. <coughs> Without a doubt, th- the roughest derby uh, I ever called. Uh, you know, at the 200 metres mark, it was a free for all. There were horses getting knocked, knocked left, right, and centre. Was he right in the middle of that trouble?
1: He was, mate. He had might and power inside of him on the fence and he was jammed up on might and power. So and might and power was unlucky too because I think there was much in the finish. It was mm. probably a half a length ahead ahead. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they were both grossly unlucky. But uh, um, it came come to the stage where Justin Sheehan caused the trouble, I think, and mm. he still apologises me today because he still writes <laughs> work at Warwick Farm and every time he's in, he's says, sorry, mate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it no, was a rough race, Rod, and a yeah. black horse of Graham Rogerson's came right down the outside, missed all the trouble, and won the derby. Ebony Grove.
1: Ebony Grove beat Bart's filly. He had a really good filly at the time. Bart beat it ahead. Yeah. And uh, um, we, run, we, run, we run third and might and power fourth.
0: Yeah, Darren Biedman rode Bart's filly. I think of its name. It was a Danehill filly. Yeah, it
1: was Dane, uh, Dane not Dane, which, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <can't, laughs> We'll get it later. Yeah. Now, Rod, weren't you <clears throat> contemplating putting him away after the Derby,
1: uh, John? I, I pretty well. I had him set for that, but he only got about four starts or five starts into that, and uh, I uh, after the race, I thought oh, I'll give him a break and and, and bring him back to the spring. And and Tony Harold, uh, Herald was a great scribe for the I think Australian. Australian, yep. Yeah. He signed it up to me and he said, um, and he, uh, slow speaking, I hope you're going to nominate this horse for the Queen Elizabeth. Mm. And I said, uh, oh, Tony, I think that'll be it, mate. I'll give him a break. He said, um, don't be silly. He said, uh, you don't nominate him, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went home and thought about it and I thought, I'll throw him in and see what happens. And
0: yeah.
1: But as it turned out, my daughter said to me, Dad, <clears throat> I want to get married on a particular day. mm Will you have any runners? And I said, oh, no, that's a big day. I won't have any. And that's a plan on that. And it was the day my daughter got married uh, to John Thompson. Yep. Uh, um, and uh, so we end up nominating and accepting, and I didn't because I went to the wedding and that didn't think he'd beat the great old horse, Octagonal. Mm. Didn't want to beat him, really, the truth, because uh, it's a bit like that great mirror of Chrissy Wallace now. I don't think anybody would be feeling good if they can beat it in the next two starts. But, no, um, exactly. Anyway, as it turned out, um, he was a three-year-old and he was very well-weighted in those days. And uh, we were sitting um, in the car at the church and uh, just the kids were having the photos taken and everybody bolted. So there's no no cameraman, no anybody, just them two standing there. Mm. And uh, I had a, I'd had hired a couple of cars with TVs in them and Channel 9 were doing the calls in those days with you as the caller actually. And, mm. and um, so we were... Sitting, I couldn't get in the, in the cars because there was too many people in them trying to watch the TV. So Vic Thompson and myself sat in, the, in one of our cars and we just listened to your call. And <laughs> and I remember you saying, the three-year-old, the three-year-old, try as he may, he can't be intergaze. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what happened. So uh, I mean, here sticking up my arms now thinking about it.
0: Unforgettable day. The date was the 12th of April, 1997, probably- and your daughter, Nicole, isn't it?
1: And Nicole, that's right.
0: Yeah, married well-known trainer John Thompson, and this was the day, Intergaze had the audacity to spoil Octagonal's farewell party.
1: He did, yeah. It's, uh, it was. I'm glad I wasn't there because my foreman at the time, yeah. uh, he had to. Uh, he had to take Brad Whit up. as a master little trainer himself at this stage. He's doing wonderful things. Yeah. Um, he uh, took the horse and because he didn't expect that to make a speech on a day like that. and mm. So I thought he had, that's the day he learned how to make speeches, because he had to. <laughs> think, so.
0: Exactly. Well, he, he went off a little bit, Rod, right after that. Um, he only won one race in 11 starts in his next two preps, in fact, and that was the PJ O'Shea Stakes. So you didn't mess about. You put him straight in the paddock when it was obvious he just wasn't going quite as well as he had been. And that was a wise move on your part because next prep, he was back. His first six runs, he ran three seconds at absolute top level. Then he won the All Aged and his second Queen Elizabeth Stakes.
1: Yeah, that's right, John. Um, he just he didn't come up, and, and um, uh, he, he got to the stage where he, he was trying to tell us something. I mean, he looked great in the coat, and his work was good, but it just wasn't him. So, you know. Um, my old boss and old Billy used to say, "If you ever in with him, stop." So uh, did he? I did, yeah. and uh, paid dividend because, as you said, he would come back and, and hit a purple
0: patch. He sure did. Will you freshened him after his second Queen Elizabeth she took him to Brisbane, and he won the Doomben Cup in great style.
1: He did, Johnny. Um, uh, beat a good mate of mine too, Poor Cave. He runs second in it, and uh, so it was a wonderful win. Actually, the year before, I think it was that he. he didn't come up uh he uh, mightn't tower beat him a length or something in the dean cup so he runs second in that and mm. i just said to the owners they're a bit disappointed so when well, you can't be disappointed getting beat by a horse like him mm. and uh, don't yeah. worry we'll come back next year and win it so we would hit. <laughs>
0: The sale that has produced the likes of The Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Esterjarb, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pinot and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankin Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundee, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Reign, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock, 31. I am invincible, 31. 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Redoute's Choice, 21 by ZooStar, 19 by Medaglia Doro, 19 by Pride of Dubai. So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet, and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 English Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. Well, he won the Underwood in Melbourne in September 1999. He was unplaced his next three, so you put him away again. You knew that horse backwards. Yeah,
1: you do, John. You know better than anybody, mate. Um, the horses you've had, you... You, you've got to study and you've got to know them and they talk to you in different ways yes um, so yes he did uh, yesterday I beat him the year before the year before that a short up in the Australian Cup and there's always a race that I really wanted to win you know uh, not because you get beat in them but it's just such a wonderful race and like yesterday it was on yesterday and what a great race it was again mm. so uh, we just got him set for that for the that year and had he come and it worried me because I think he drew 16 alley and he ended up leading and uh he led by quite a few lengths and Craig dropped his whip about 300 meters out and uh, not that he was a horse that needed hitting anyway but uh, and he's he's fell in by fell in by half a length beating mm. a very good old horse in Arena and and Cole um, uh, I can't think of the horse that run third but he was he's come out and won the Sydney Cup the other horse so mm. great form
0: race yeah I'll say I was just thinking you know Rod uh, the whole Intergays adventure, the whole Intergays story, uh, I mean, it would have been pleasant uh, regardless of who the jockey had been right through that great era. But for you, on a personal basis, it was so much better because Craig Carmody was his regular pilot.
1: Oh, man, fantastic, mate. Uh, loyalty, I mean, there's, there's not much loyalty in the game anymore and- and uh, it's, it's it's just so good that he was sort of part of our family, Craig. And, and uh, as I said, he come back a few times and said, I rode that terrible and got beat because of a bad ride. And, and uh, no, wonderful thrill, wonderful thrill for him. And, uh, you know, he, he's ridden some good horses in his time, Craig, and he's won a few more group ones on other people's horses. And, that, you know, he'll, he's obviously the best horse in his mind, I think, so he's ridden.
0: He won the Australian Cup in 2000. And, gee, I can remember watching this race as though it were yesterday. This was one of his best wins, Rod.
1: It was, John. Uh, as I said, he he drew wide and and uh, Craig took off on him. Well, the horse got took off on Craig, I think, more than anything. But that day at the races, he was just in the stalls. He was just that switched on. And it was a sort of horse race day, like a lot of good footballers. I think you don't annoy him in the dressing room before the game. And he mm-hmm. was like that. He was... He was ready to go, and it's the most confident I've ever, ever felt uh, about a horse winning a race.
0: Really? And the pace was on too, wasn't it? They went lickety-split up front, which played right into his hands.
1: Yes, they did, John. Uh, it, was, uh, it was such a great race to win, you know. It's it's a time honoured race, and very, very good horses have won it over the years, so it's great to be added to that list.
0: It was a sad day for you, Rod, and for all concerned, when he came to the end of the trail. His last run was in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. His third attempt at the race.
1: That's right, John. Uh, he went ordinary, and I just thought that's it. You know, he was he was um, a seven year old, I think, at the time, and mm-hmm. and uh, it was just enough that he'd he was telling us, "I've had enough," and uh, and then we decided to retire him. So. Uh, for a good home for him, and and they took him in at Widden, so uh, which was a good place to start. Um, he's on the production line there. They had a lot of stallions, and uh, he got about a hundred mares his first year, but there were a lot of more older mares and dry mares and that sort of thing. So it wasn't a great start at stud, but mm. I think it come to the stage where I paid fifteen thousand for him. He won four million eight group ones and lucky unlucky in a few others. Mm. and I just wanted a good home for him, and uh, that's where he got a good home. Mm.
0: He did something that a lot of stallions have never done and will never do. He sired a Melbourne Cup place-getter.
1: He did for Brian Mayfield-Smith. Um, very good horse, owned, owned by a chap in Perth, I believe, um, and uh, wonderful, wonderful race. He just ran into two Japanese horses. I think that the first two Japanese horses never come out here for the race, yep. and they run first and second, and he runs third. So. Uh,
0: yeah, pop rock and delta blues with the two Japanese ones. And I'm just yep. trying to uh, uh, to remember the name of the Brian Mayfield Smith place getter by Intergaze. It might have been, it was a name like Maybe Lucky.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, Johnny. I can't think of myself, actually, but um, it's very very close to that. But he produced a lot of, like, city horses and that sort of thing. and
0: Maybe better. Maybe better Maybe was better. That's was the correct. name of the horse. And I just thought of the name of the Danehill filly uh, that Bart Cummings trained that ran second to Ebony Grove in the Derby, and her name was Dan Endry.
1: Dan Endry. What a good filly. Yeah, wasn't she? What a good filly. Nothing the matter with your memory.
0: Eh? Only took me an hour. <laughs> okay. Now, Rod, you won many more races after the Intergaze era with nice horses. Circle of Power was won, won about 400,000. Circle of Fame won about 255,000. And Quest for Success won a string of races.
1: Yeah, they were owned by a bunch of great mates of mine that's loyal to me right up to when I decided to have a break from racing. Um, they, uh, they've they had a lot of luck with the progeny and I bought them mare. Um, off of Ross Crib um, down at his property, and uh, they they picked her out. They decided they wanted forty thousand, and Ross stayed in it. And what a law supporter he was too! God bless him. He was a wonderful man. And
0: uh, he was the late Ross Crib, a, a true gentleman yes. of the turf and a gentleman of the corporate world in Sydney. Yeah,
1: He was, mate. He was certainly. You know, he's uh, very much so. Uh, he's uh, sadly lost for a champion, bloke.
0: Training against the might of the super stables is pretty debilitating for the smaller trainers. And this Tasmanian filly, Mystic Journey, winning the Group 1 Australian Guineas last week is a real tonic for the smaller stables. You know, Rod, you can talk about all the Group 1 races and the big races from the last 12 months. You know, I believe the most important race run in Sydney in the last year, was uh, a restricted race at Randwick, a benchmark race, won by a horse called Red Alto, a Victorian horse trained by Brent Stanley. Yeah. There were nine runners in the race. Chris Waller had eight of them. It's not Chris's fault. That's just the way it worked out. But Red Alto got up to beat the eight Waller runners. That was an enormous morale boost for the little trainer. It can be it done.
1: It can it, be done. It, it is Johnny, yeah. It's um wonderful for, for Brent. I mean, he's a good trainer, he was a great terrific rider in his day, and he's a good trainer. But how good and I mean Chris did, Chris wouldn't be cranky about that. Like he's
0: He was pleased, was, I think.
1: Well of course he would be, mate. You mm. know, he's he's come from nothing himself. Nobody could begrudge him anything, mate. He'd come here from nothing. Look at he's built he's built in, in in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, I mean, and lucky, it's wonderful, wonderful. But yeah. the small trainer, the small trainer, they can't do without the small trainer, John. Um, I can't see it anyway because it's, you know you can't have five or six big stables in Sydney running everything because there's hundreds of race meetings a year and they can't fill them up. You know, unless you've yeah. got the country trainer and the provincial trainer and the smallest city trainer. Like I, I have a lot to do with a, a lot of the younger uh, brigade of trainers in Sydney and. They're battling their backsides off to be successful. Mm. And if they're not there, what happens to the future? You know, they've, they've mm. got to be there. You just can't have five or six big stables. It just will, It's not Hong Kong. Mm. It just won't work.
0: One thing to keep the little bloke going down through the ages has been the pure, simple love of the thoroughbred. And that's the thing that might entice Rod Craig back to training one day. You're not going to say never, are you?
1: Oh no, John! No, certainly not, mate. I I I live for it. I mean, other than my family, um, it's been the biggest part of my life. And uh, you know, yourself, half the time you come home from the races and you got beat, but that's all part and parcel of it. You know, you just look to the next day and you don't look back on it. Um, you just got to look to the next day, and uh, it's such a great life. I mean, we all get there every morning at Warwick Farm, and people—you could win a race, and people ring you and. The, the camaraderie it's fantastic you know it's uh it's it's a it's a family in itself i mean it's changing a little, little bit now but it's a great way of life it's a hard way of life and if, if you uh, you know you're not getting good horses it's very hard to survive at it but um it's 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 the essence of the future i think uh, the young people coming into it and they've got to be supported um, even the older older trainers i mean they've got to be supported They're not just the big stables it's uh that's my, that's my view. I'm one of the lesser ones anyway, and that's probably you know sour grapes, but it's not really. It's just the way it is.
0: And well put too. Rod, you can be very, very proud of what you achieved as a horse trainer, and I hope you can add to that in the future. But most of all, you can be very proud of the esteem in which you're held by all sections of this racing industry. Congratulations on all you've done, and it's been an absolute delight to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you, John. It means a lot. Mate. I really appreciate it.
0: And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. The sale that has produced the likes of The Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Esther Jarb, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pino and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalog is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's yearling sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalog of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group One winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Done Deal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award, and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Reign, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries, while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock, 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by ZooStar, 19 by Doro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet, and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 English Easter yearling sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online.